Welcome back to Tiff Talks Podcast. This is your host, Tiffany Marie Davis. And by popular demand, I have Miss Lane Van Liesel back. You guys, she was on episode 28 and we went over why your gut health matters. Today, we are gonna go over why your blood sugar balance matters. And I'm so excited to talk about this because blood sugar balance is so, so, so important when it comes to thyroid function, to hormone health, to also, you know, just overall immunity and not only immunity, but also for diabetic patients. And it, the, I mean, I would, I would definitely say that this is a rabbit hole. I mean, we can keep going with why blood sugar balance is so important. So Miss Lane, welcome back to Tip Talks podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Yay, thanks for having me back. And for everyone that may have missed episode 28, would you mind just giving a little bit about your background? And you know, you guys definitely go check out episode 28, Why Your Gut Health Matters. It's so, so, so good. We took away a lot of nuggets on this one, and we're definitely gonna dive into this episode here with Miss Lane. So, but Miss Lane, go ahead and give everyone your background and uh, go ahead and kick it off. All right, great. So I'm Lane Van Lee's house. She did good, she pronounced it right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the owner and founder of LB Wellness, which is my virtual functional medicine health consulting business. So I help millennial women who are, you know, very driven in their careers and maybe just even life in general, but like we want to increase energy levels and decrease stress, balance moods and hormones. And we do that by getting to the root cause. And we really want to reclaim that vibrancy, that full of life feeling and the confidence that we've all, we all want. And cause that's what's going to allow us to show up the way we want to, and just really enjoy life. And so that's how I help women. My background is actually in nursing. So I've been a nurse practitioner for over three years now. I've worked in the medical field as a whole for over 13. So I've worked with a lot of sick people who have really been struggling over the years. And I've always been in the hospital setting. So again, just super sick people. And I always felt like there had to be something more we could do to help them besides just throw a lot of medications and a little bit of lifestyle counseling on the side, but really like working towards root cause resolution. And so that is kind of what started it, but it was really my health journey that really pushed me to learn functional medicine and working towards root cause. And so I was in my mid twenties, I was dealing with burnout, overwhelm, all these anxious thoughts, racing mind, difficulty sleeping, and it ended up manifesting as like physical symptoms. So I was having chest tightness, lightheadedness, near fainting spells, um, tr trouble taking deep breaths and things like that. Of course, my medical workup was normal. I was left without answers, told, you know, everything's fine, but I just knew that there had to be something deeper. So that's when I started really studying functional medicine. And that led me to finding that balance that I'd been seeking and felt in control of my health again. And then I just realized there were so many other women going through similar experiences, just to be told everything's normal. It's just stress or it's just all in your head which are really upsetting things to hear because like we know our bodies best and we know when something is off. And so ultimately I have created the service that I needed back then so that I can help other women going through something similar who are determined to get to the root cause, who will not accept those answers like, oh, it's fine. It's just in your head. We need real answers and real solutions so that you can get back to the life that you love. And so that's where I come in and help guide them in that process. That is amazing. And I think as women, you know, we already have this intuition built within us and we know when something's off. And I think that's a gift that we've been given since the day we were born. Right. And you hit the nail on the head. There's so many things where it's like, 
man, I feel like this, or I feel like I'm in this space, or I feel like something's just off. I'm overly hot or, you know, I'm not using the restroom the right way. I'm always bloated, but I've been on every program possible to, you know, to get this out of my gut or whatever it is. So that's really powerful that you said that. And you guys, Miss Lane, she doesn't take her patients for granted. I have noticed that just even from following her with how much she does do personalized work to getting down to the root cause. Uh, but I definitely want to go into um, why blood sugar balance is so important for everyone's healing journey and not just those pre-diabetes or diabetes. Can you tap on that? And I want you to go deep on that one. So that way we can all understand. Yes, for sure. So first things first is all hormones work together. Not a single one of them works in isolation. So when one is thrown off, it can certainly cause others to be thrown off. And blood sugar balance is one of the very first steps that I would like for people to consider taking when you're on a health journey, no matter where you are. And it's something that I've been talking about a lot lately, because I know how prioritizing my own blood sugar balance has improved my health, my energy, my moods. And it's just so important, regardless of where you are. And we're not just talking about diabetics or pre-diabetics, like you mentioned, but you know, that's where we're used to hearing about blood sugar is how it contributes to those diseases. And that is very important but there's actually a lot of imbalances aside from that, that can affect every single one of us, no matter how healthy we look or may feel that we are overall. And it's something that I talk about with every single one of my clients and is especially important for people who are struggling with mood and energy and hormone imbalances. So blood sugar or blood glucose, they're the same thing. We'll just use those terms interchangeably, but that is our main source of energy. We need it to fuel every single cell and tissue in our body. So it's not a bad thing. We need the glucose, but we want it to be kind of more steady and not cause as many spikes and crashes. We do get glucose from our food sources, mainly like starches and sugars. And then we have insulin, which is the hormone that transports the glucose from the blood into the cell where then it's used for energy production. So when our blood sugar becomes dysregulated, we see a lot of spikes and crashes because of our food. You know, it it comes on board fast and then it usually falls just as fast, which is when we start feeling our energy and moods get thrown off. We can feel blah. Like people say, I just feel blah. I don't know how else to describe it. A lot of times I think about blood sugar with that. And it's because, you know, what we eat does cause that blood sugar to rise. And sometimes it can rise more rapidly than we would like. And then again, what goes up must come down. And so that's when we start to see other symptoms as well, like these energy crashes, especially if it's happening not too long after you eat, people getting hangry or irritable, feeling like you have to eat frequently in order to feel well or not be hungry. We can also see this contribute to more cravings, especially sweets, because that's the body saying we need energy because the blood sugar is low. It needs something quick and the sweet is going to give that quick burst of energy. We also see lightheadedness, dizziness, exhaustion, brain fog poor attention span or memory, and then other mood swings like anxiety, feeling down, just irritable. We, it can also lead to higher body fat, especially in the torso and around the abdominal organs, which can ultimately lead to things like fatty liver, fatty pancreas, and further hormone imbalance. Because again, it is glucose, glucose, insulin, and all their hormones are all related. And the one last one I'll touch on, which really gets people thinking sometimes, like maybe I should pay attention to this, is dysregulated blood sugar causes us to age faster. 
it causes poor skin health <laughs> because of the oxidative wear and tear that the higher blood sugar causes in the line, lining of our blood vessels and in the cells. So that's often one that gets people's attention. <laughs> Oh yeah. Anything to keep the Botox away. Right. Yes. <laughs> or if you like it, all the power to you, <laughs> but no, I think that's very important with, with women, especially with you and men too. You, you can see, see, let's just say five years ago, right. Where you were on track, you were eating and then fast forwarding in five years when you maybe have fallen off and you're like, you're like, you said, your skin's a little bit more dull. I always say our skin is our number one indication of what's going on inside of our bodies. It's our, our largest organ, as you know, and if you have acne, if it's dry, if you know, you're starting to see premature aging, things like that. So I'm glad that you talked on that because there's a lot of things that I try to express to like my clients, my patients, my friends that even ask me for advice is just hearing you validate that is, it really does start with how you're eating and not just how you're eating or what you're eating. It's when you're eating, it sounds like is most important. And if to kind of go back to the symptoms of dysregulated blood sugar, hangry is like no joke. <laughs> and we say it as a joking term, but it really means it's the onset of, like you said, those, those symptoms of lightheadedness, anxiety, um, the, which even could, could even put you into a depressive state, you know, where I'm hearing you say that certain things and when, I guess, would you say, cause we, I will tap into, you know, what you can eat and how you can eat to actually balance those. Um, and those, that's what I practice even with my own program. And I'm sure you do too. When would you say before that hangry comes on, because there's, there's a few different windows. For example, there's people that say one to two hours, two to three hours, three to four hours. And I know you just posted this on your story. Uh, when, would you say to start eating in those windows before that hangry comes on? I feel like there's multiple layers to touch on here. So the <laughs> first thing is if you are hangry, that's a sign that you need to eat most likely, especially in co combination with some of those other symptoms. So I would say no matter when it is, you probably need some more fuel. But given that, I would really focus on having balanced meals so that that you can avoid that. We want to avoid that feeling as much as possible. And that's where we really think of having like a well-rounded meal that focuses on fat, fiber, protein, and some carbs, but all of the above, not just carbs or because we'll kind of get into that. But um, ideally we would like to wait at least three hours in between meals because that gives our gut time to fully digest things, to cleanse itself with the a migrating motor complex, and that gets activated every three hours. And that's just really important for gut health, overall health and inflammation. So I always recommend trying to go three hours, but some people can go four or five and we should be equipped to be able to do that in case we can't get food in time. Can you break down what that means for everyone? So pretty much you want to give your, your stomach time to do its work. We want it to be able to fully digest everything and to get it through our system. If you eat too soon, that process gets interrupted and mm. that can lead to food not being digested all the way, which can lead to gut dysbiosis. So like bugs get overgrown or undergrown, it causes inflammation. It can lead to things like leaky gut. And so we really want to allow for adequate digestion time. And so 
at the three hour mark is just a good rule of thumb. I'm sure there's a little fluctuation in there that could be more or less, but we want the migrating motor complex to be able to kick in and be able to continue pushing everything downward like it should be. So for those who don't know what a motor complex is, can you explain what that is? So it's just, our gut has muscles. We ha all have like, there's mus muscular cells in our intestines and all of that gets activated. And uh, there's another action called peristalsis, which is the mechanism of which everything moves in the right direction, not the wrong direction, not kind of getting stuck, but it keeps it moving with gravity, like downwards in preparation to be eliminated. So that's kind of a background on that. Thank you. Some people may be like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it sounds so much better coming from you, explaining it to everyone. So that way they can be aware of why, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is when you, like, for example, when children, they ask you why a hundred times to get down to the root answer. I always say children are our biggest <laughs> teachers, right? That is like how our brain operates. And I know a lot of people still get so confused when it comes, and as you know, the reason why people just won't dive into the health world sometimes is because they feel like it's too confusing or they can't understand it or, you know what I mean? So it's really helpful for you to break it down the way that you do. I love how you do layman's terms on that. So I appreciate that. Um, now diving into all of this, what are some simple tips that you, that you or I could do, um, and everyone else listening to improve blood sugar balance. Okay. Love it. So first of all, I strongly believe we should focus on nutrient dense whole foods to nourish our bodies. That is the best way to get our energy, but that doesn't mean that we can never enjoy the treats we love most. And so there's a balance that you can find and everybody's going to be different. It depends on your preferences, your goals, and just where you are in your journey. So there's no judgment, no matter what, but I like to focus on, instead of taking away the sweet snacks and making someone feel restricted, we incorporate things that actually allow you to add things in and eat just as much, if not more. So we want to shift our focus to hacks that we'll discuss. And these are going to be things that reduce those blood sugar spikes from food. So I actually made like a resource that has eight or nine of these that I'll tell you about at the end, but we'll just kind of go over my top favorites for now. Cause that's a lot to get through, but my number one would be order of eating, which I think we touched on on our prior episode a little bit. We did. Yes. This is one of my favorites because it's so simple. You keep the same food, you eat your leafy greens or vegetables. And if you don't already have those on your plate, you get to add them to your plate. And this is going to help prevent your body from absorbing the glucose that you will get from your carbs later. It'll, well, it'll prevent it from absorbing it so rapidly. And you're going to avoid that unwanted spike and crash. So after leafy greens and veggies, you'll do your proteins and fats and you save your carbs for last. So whether that's rice or potatoes or just straight up dessert, any of the above, keeping them towards the end of the meal after the other things will help lessen and stabilize that glucose spike. And you will feel so much better. You will feel satisfied for longer too. And it's just one of those times where like, if, if you're about to go down on some chocolate cake, no one can stop you. Keep the chocolate cake, just add it at the end of your meal. I always like to end with dessert anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I, the thing is, is with eating in order, I like to relay it to a conveyor belt. Think about your foods are going into your system like a conveyor belt. And if we're loading it with the sugar, the glucose, and all of the hard digesting foods first, it's going to get backed up, right? So if you start your digestion system 
with easier digestible foods, it's going to slowly start that process to when the, the harder foods get in there, it'll already be working and breaking things down. And as you and I know, it takes 75% of our, our energy to actually break down food. So that's why if we feel extremely exhausted after we eat, maybe switching up that order might help you conserve some energy. And that was a really big thing that I learned um, when I was going through nutrition schooling is the fact that our, our number one energy source is coming from our digestion system. And that's why our brain is our second, our second, or our brain, I'm sorry, our gut is our second brain. <laughs> um, sometimes our first brain, like, <laughs> you know, so I'm excited to now dive into one of my favorite topics, which why blood sugar is one of the best things to help, uh, hormonal imbalances and to bring it back into balance. Um, so I definitely want to talk about thyroid function, uh, basic or basics that go over why blood sugar is so important around thyroid health. Yeah. So when it comes to our thyroid, it's important to understand the thyroid. An easy way to understand it is think of it as our body's thermostat. It determines how hot or cold, how fast or slow things are running when it comes to everything related to our metabolism. And it directly affects the energy production that our cells are able to make happen. And this influences things like our weight, our body temperature, our skin, gut function, immune system, fertility, our mood, energy, just so many different things. And we, in order to have good thyroid function, we need adequate nutrients like adequate protein, things like iodine, selenium, iron, zinc, vitamin A, among lots of others. Um, but it can also be affected by things like stress and inflammation most commonly. And we have to remember that stress is not just mental, emotional. There's also internal physiological stressors that can play a role here, like gut dysbiosis, food sensitivities, toxins, calorie restriction, overexercise, all things like that can create an internal stress that your body's having to adapt to. And so that can throw off hormone balance just alone, even without you know, other things coming into play like blood sugar, but the thyroid is often one of the first hormone related processes that shows up as being affected by those things. And hypothyroidism, which is much more common than hyper is when the thyroid is not functioning as well or as quickly as a normal thyroid would. And it's considered more sluggish. And because of that, because it controls our metabolism and all of those types of things, that's when we can start to see other things become sluggish too, like low energy, low moods, struggle, losing weight, feeling like you're cold all over constipation. Cause it slows the GI tract as well. We can see brain fog and other hormonal symptoms like low libido or PMS again, because of how it affects all the other hormones, our estrogens and progesterones too. And anytime someone comes to me with symptoms of hypothyroidism, and side note, a lot of people say, I, I have these symptoms, but my thyroid was normal, or I was told my labs were normal. So it's not my thyroid, but I have to argue and ask, did you get a full panel checked? Because there's actually a lot of dysfunction in quote unquote normal labs, especially if you've only had a TSH and or T4 drawn because that's the two go-tos typically, but if you're still having symptoms, you really want the full picture to understand what's happening. I don't know. I, that has to be my biggest pet peeve <laughs> that when I see labs <laughs> and I just see the TSH and then just their, their T4 and not even their free forms, I, like my skin crawls. And then 
what also drives me nuts is when you've been doing this or practicing in this space for 14 or 15 years, and then they go see a doctor and they're like, oh yeah, everything's fine. So I'm just going to stop doing everything that you just told me to do. And I'm like, so (laughs) I'm like, you didn't even give it enough time to, you know, and my biggest thing is women, men, um, yes, your TSH does matter. Absolutely. Now, the biggest thing is getting your free forms checked off. And I know, Lane, you can dig deeper into this a little bit too. Free forms are going to be huge. Free T3. I don't know why doctors do not test free T3 unless you like hammer it, literally hammer it into them. Because if your T3 is off, your T4 is going to be off. Or even if you're reading within normal ranges, your T3 could be even just slightly on the lower end within normal ranges. And you're still having all of the same symptoms that you would have had your numbers been completely off. So that's how fragile this little gland is (laughs) in our bodies is that if something is just a hair off, it could throw everything off. And it's something as simple as fixing it through functional medicines. And like Lane had just mentioned with blood sugar being one of them, but just hearing the sluggish, low moods, low libido PMS, like you, that's not normal, believe it or not. Those are not normal things. And, and when we like kind of joke around as women, like, yeah, I just have PMS or, you know, I'm just not in the mood for a month or in a bad mood today. It's like, well, if that's consistently happening around your cycle or for a week on end, like there's something happening that you need to look a little bit deeper in. So I'm really, I'm really happy that you spoke on that because that's probably my biggest pet peeve is when people say, oh, my thyroid's normal. So I'm, I'm fine. It's something else. And you're like, wait a second, (laughs) back up. We're missing like the bigger picture here. So what would you say? So as far as hypothyroidism, what are some, some tips um, that you, like, for example, I have hypothyroidism and I've been managing it for years and I've done everything natural as possible, but I know that I've pretty much scarred my thyroid from competing and competing, you know, we would completely strip glucose for a very long time, which is carbs, right? So, um, I know that I damaged my metabolism through that style of eating and have been working diligently since 2013. That's what, nine years ago to still get it back within range. I've been able to take my medication down and I'll just use me as an example, because I work with a lot of women who are in the same space. Would you say that it is reversible for hypothyroidism or once you've been on medication, do you kind of just throw in the towel and just do your best to get your doses low? love this question. I think that it is reversible. I'm not saying hundred percent of people will reach that level, but I think it's possible for everyone. It's just a matter of time and healing and giving your body the proper tools to heal tissues because our bodies are capable of miraculous things. We should not underestimate our abilities. And, um, I would say like some of the biggest things just in general, regardless of where you are in a thyroid journey, like if it's something you've just been diagnosed with or dealing with for years is really reducing inflammation, improving your gut health, making sure you're getting on proper nutrients to be able to make thyroid hormone and convert it well to the active form, which is T3, like you mentioned. And it sounds, I mean, I'll explain a little bit more, but just like decreasing stress. And I know that you can't just say, go manage your stress because that doesn't help. That doesn't help anybody. And as a, you know, again, something that women are told very often by providers and they're not given any tangible tips. But what I mean by that is 
to know that there's no way we can avoid all stress. There never will be. There will always be stress. And I preach this to clients all the time, but we can set our bodies up for stress resilience. We can regulate our nervous system. We can activate our parasympathetic response, work on our mindset, and just improve our internal health with our nutrition and lifestyle choices. All of those things will help with your stress response and help therefore with your hormone balance and including the thyroid. So that is definitely like one of the top things I say, start doing is just reducing inflammation and stress. I am definitely one for decreasing inflammation. I feel like, you know, what we talked about the last time I have a triangle of health that I, I took for a year and, uh, one of our main ingredients is the nani berry, which actually helps decrease inflammation throughout your body with certain minerals. I took that, my 22 antioxidant superfoods, and then my tocotrienols and wild Alaskan sockeye salmon, just those three things for a year. And I was told <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I was told I had PCOS. I was told because of my thyroid, I won't be able to have children. I was told that my eggs are potentially too old, like everything possible. And then I experienced loss. So then in my brain, you know, in my brain, I'm like, I literally cannot probably ever have a child. And all I did was add that in. I was on thyroid medication, which I did have to take in order to conceive, to make sure that I was making enough thyroid hormone for my baby. Um, and I was on compounded before, but it just wasn't something that stayed stable. So once I went on synthetic, which is totally against everything I practice, um, it stayed within range, but that was because I knew I wanted to have a baby and I wanted to make sure, which sometimes you do have to, like we talked about earlier, you do have to, um, on our last episode, take certain medicines in order to stabilize things. And then you can wean off of them. Once you start, your body basically starts trusting you, which that's what I had to do. Um, so once I took that literally within, I, what was it? 11 months I tried and conceived on my first try and he's a perfect healthy baby. So I do believe everything that you're saying is sometimes we're just missing those small little like micronutrients and, and inflammation markers that might be up and we're unaware that once you get that down, then you allow your body to absorb nutrients again. That's when everything starts turning back on. So it's crazy. It's just that simple. People don't understand though, like how important inflammation or I should say how important it is to keep your inflammation down because it's literally in everything, even down to like oils. And we were talking about it on one of our, our other episodes um, with another health practitioner. And she, we were talking about when you go out and eat at restaurants and how, you know, they sneak those oils in there and it's not even necessary, but that oil alone is just setting off inflammation throughout your entire body, like rapid fire. So it, for me, it's crazy how it's just that simple, you know, and understanding what foods trigger that and understanding how to take it down. And like you said, like, we can't just turn a switch on and say, Hey, go de-stress yourself. It's going to be that easy. Right. Gosh. I mean, I wish, <laughs> or if you're in Las Vegas and, you know, walking is one of your de-stressors and it's 138 degrees outside, <laughs> you know? So it's like, making sure that you're doing those little things every single day to help eliminate stress, to help bring that inflammation down. So that's really, really powerful that you went into that. Um, the last thing that I really want to talk about is going into how glucose affects your sex hormones, like estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And let me tell you progesterone as a woman, as a woman, you guys, 
that is our happy hormone. And if that is low, my goodness. And I can, I can speak from that because of my postpartum, I didn't realize, you know, how much it dumps right after you have a baby and how long it takes to go back up. And for me, you know, I'm not saying I'm an older mother, but I didn't have a child in my twenties being, a, you know, in my mid thirties, it took a while for it to come back up. So I'm really excited to hear how glucose affects all, all three of those. Yeah. And one quick thing is sometimes like thyroid medication, we need that medication. So I'm not like bashing them at all. And especially with things like thyroid, because if you don't have enough thyroid hormone to produce thyroid hormone, then like you're really kind of stuck. And so it's almost like you have to prime the pump. Like if you want water, you have to get the water in the water hose first for mm-hmm. before it out. It's kind of like a similar thing with thyroid hormone. So sometimes having that medication can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. And I definitely have to speak on that because that made all of the difference. My hair stopped falling out. I was, um, my, it just unbearably cold. So those were things where it's like, you're just constantly trying to do the natural route as much as you want, but if it's just not picking up, then, you know, sometimes synthetic is, is the route that you have to take. But then, you know, once you're getting that, like you said, tissues are, it's very, our, our bodies are, are a miracle worker. They're, they're intelligent. And with those tissues, maybe they were scarred at one point or abused at one point. You didn't even know it. Like me, I I scarred it and I abused it. (laughs) Right. And who knew, maybe I had a underlying thyroid issue. I didn't even know. And then it kicked on because I was abusing it or it just happened or who knows. Right. And so it was like a jumper cable for my thyroid is how I look at it. And I've been able to take it down since I've been watching my foods. I mean, I'm on bare, bare minimum microdosing now. So I know what I'm doing is working and eventually, you know, hopefully one day it'll kick back on and do its own thing. But in the meantime, you know, you're, you're still needing to do what's best for your body. Like Lane had just mentioned. So I'm glad that you talked on that. Definitely. So in regards to other hormones, like our sex hormones, so estrogen is progesterone, testosterone. And I feel like a lot of women are curious about these things too, because we, we have these symptoms. We go to our provider, they either say there's no need in checking your hormones or they'll check like a blood level and normal, nothing's wrong. And so you're like, well, am I crazy? Like something doesn't feel right. But anyway, one of the ways that glucose can affect these hormones is when you have, we'll just give one example. There's plenty of different ways we could go about this, but if you have too high of glucose or too many blood sugar spikes over a period of time, that can ultimately lead to insulin resistance, which leads to diabetes and prediabetes and all of that. So insulin resistance is often at the root of a hormonal balance called PCOS. Like you brought up a few minutes ago, this is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And because high insulin leads to higher testosterone, that causes us to not ovulate. And when we ovulate, we make progesterone. So when you're not ovulating, you have less progesterone produced by the ovaries. And then that is going to skew the delicate balance between progesterone and estrogen. This can lead to a picture of estrogen dominance where estrogen might be clinically high or it may be normal. It's just the balance is thrown off because the progesterone being low. And, um, that's when a lot of women continue to struggle with other hormonal imbalances like PMS or a breast tenderness with your periods, irritability, painful, heavy periods, um, fertility struggles, cravings, bloating, all of that type of stuff. And so 
you can have low estrogen or estrogen dominance for other reasons besides PCOS or insulin resistance too, though. But most commonly is things like stress. Again, internal physiological stress or mental emotional stress. And nutrition, of course, plays a role because we need fat to make cholesterol to make hormones. So people who are on super low fat diet often struggle with low body fat. And then we need, we need that to make hormones so that you'll see like lower levels. What would you say is a good amount of fat intake and obviously good fats for, let's just say the average individual for a woman and then for a man? So I don't know if I have a, an answer for that because I, you probably have a way better answer than me <laughs> because I'm not one to count calories or macros. And I know you don't have to do that to like, know if you're getting adequate fat or anything, but I just, I don't recommend my clients to count things because I know that that caused me a lot of mental stress when I was trying, and it can be a source of stress. Some people thrive on it and that's amazing. But then some people are like, it's just, I'm always on my phone. I'm always on this app. I'm always measuring everything and it's just too much. So I just say, a handful of nuts or <laughs> avocado. Like I do it more visually than like actual, actual measuring things. Yeah. My brains definitely ruined me in certain areas. And the crazy part is, is I can still, just because this is my practice, I've literally, I can tell you exactly how many grams something is just by looking at it, you know, because I I've had to do numbers four years. So when I see a cup of something or when I see, you know, a, like you said, a handful, I can even break that down. I, I mean, for me, I always say for women, especially if you're th- struggling with hormonal deficiencies, I mean, you can have fat anywhere from 45 to 65 grams of fat for women. Um, and that's just to get their hormones back in balance with, obviously it depends again, according to weight, um, and overall goal. I don't like to drop carbs under hundred grams. I think if you, you do, I mean, very, I would say like maybe for a day or two and then jump back up, but under hundred grams, I feel like you're then stripping away from, like, we just talked about thyroid functioning. You're slowing down the metabolism. You're starving the brain of nutrients. We need glucose in order to, you know, our brain thrives on glucose and people don't realize that. So when I hear keto diets, I'm like, ah, you know, like if you do a keto diet, make sure it's a very short, short window. Um, and I think you and I can agree on this is the only time you really should do a keto diet is if you have, um, an illness, or if you are, and I know a lot of children that have, um, seizures because they can't metabolize the glucose properly in their brain. So that would be the only time. So, and do you agree with that? I do. I think that, you know, the keto diet has taken the world by storm the past few years and people are thinking that it's the best thing for everybody, but there's no single diet that's the perfect diet for everybody. So you really have to take into account bio-individuality. How are you able to process fats? Are you digesting fats? Can your body use them properly for energy? And if you can't, then that's not the diet for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and one thing too, if you have a hard time digesting fats, I think with a gallbladder or without a gallbladder, I always say, take a bile salt. I have, you know, I've have a few of my patients on that when people are afraid of fat, <laughs> I, I usually have them on, um, a beta food or a, um, like a colicle to, with bile salts to help them metabolize fats a little bit better. So it's, it is something that people are either afraid of fats or they're afraid of carbs. And really, I think if you have a healthy mindset around food, where you're eating the right foods and understanding what to eat, eating in threes, I always say protein, fat, and carbs, 
Um, I have a program, I'm sure Ms. Lane has a program where we can help you walk through um, what that would look like for you and, you know, a list with inflammatory foods and just obviously what to stay away from, but we always want you to live your life too. And I know Lane is the same with that. Once you get your body into a place where it trusts you again, um, it's like she said earlier, your, your body is intelligent and it will know exactly what to do with the foods and where to go and whatnot. I definitely have taken a lot of notes on this and uh, gosh, I have like three pages and <laughs> why it's so important to balance your blood sugar. And that's such a, a I feel like a topic that really isn't talked about. And when you're missing meals and how crucial that is to your overall health and your development, and even as an adult, you know, as we age and what it's doing to our, our aging process and our oxidative system. And it's just something that for, for us, like she said, like a handful of nuts, protein, fat, and carbs. So I don't know, even if you're like on the road, like a good, grass-fed beef jerky with a handful of nuts, right? And maybe an apple, <laughs> something like that, right? Just to kind of get that in. So is there any last things that you wanted to tap on um, before I asked you one more question? Well, I love that example with the beef jerky and the nuts and the apple, because that's like one of my other favorite things to talk about pairing food. And so let's just say you're someone who is kind of starting your journey, or maybe you've been on it for a while, but you're, you know, still having issues with like mood or energy really take a look at what you're eating and what it's, it's paired with. So if you, are you familiar with the term like naked carbs, or do you think your network is? Uh-uh. Okay. So a naked carb just means that the carb source is not paired with fat, fiber, or protein. So it's just a carb by itself, like a chocolate croissant or like oatmeal. That's like apple cinnamon oatmeal from a packet or a banana or ice cream. All of those things are primarily carb sources and heavy on them too. So they're going to call it cause a rapid glucose spike. And so you can put clothes on them in the form of like fat, fiber, or protein to help balance out the blood glucose spike, avoid that energy crash and burn. And examples, other examples are, let's just say you love croissants for breakfast. You're not willing to give that up quite yet. Add some eggs to it, add a piece of sausage or a veggie scramble, like any combination of that. The, honestly, the more, the better, because then you'll be fuller, longer, more satisfied or adding avocado and eggs to your toast or walnuts, chia seeds, flax seeds to your oatmeal with like a little sprinkle of protein powder. So it's not always about removing the sweet source but adding in more stuff to balance it out a little better. Well, that was my question. <laughs> oh. I was going to literally ask you, what do you say to those who just will not give up that, you know, chocolate bar or that, you know, like you said, croissant, I have, what are those like little Madeline? Um, I have this one patient. She's so funny. She will not give up her, her Madeline cookies. I can't remember if that's what they're called. It's like, I don't know what, what it's called exactly, but it's a, and it's, I don't know, 30, 40 grams of sugar. And I'm like, Ugh. so I tell her to have a protein and a fat with it to show, to slow down the, the spike. Um, so I love that you said that. And I didn't know that there was a term around it, but it's called naked carbs. So dress your, your carbs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, sorry. I didn't mean to ruin the question. No, that's freaking awesome. Like yeah. <laughs> from the same page. <laughs> exactly. Totally. <laughs> she like, what's that? What do we have like ESPN or something? <laughs> what movie is that? That's so funny. Mean Girls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's ESP. That's so great. Um, 
That was awesome. So Lane, it's always a pleasure having you. I'm sure I'll have you back again on another topic. I love getting with my other health professionals and just really helping in areas. I feel like this is a really big one. Um, I feel like depression is on the rise. I feel like people are in a very dark space. Uh, I do see a lot of it happening, happening through our food sources. Um, it makes you question a lot of things of what's going into our foods, um, from a hormonal standpoint as well. So really understanding the importance of making sure, you know, your foods are, you know, antibiotic free, if you can't afford organic, um, organic is always going to be the best sourcing you will notice. And I have noticed, and I'm sure you have noticed with meats right now, I feel like some of our meats have been stressed. You can tell through the, uh, tenderness of the meat. If you feel like it's a little chewy or too chewy, that like, let's just say chicken might've been stressed during the process or even prior to. So there's little things that you can kind of look at and see with your meats as well. And really understanding sourcing is everything, um, and do your best to have organic cage-free as much as possible, um, grass fed, because that means they're in a little bit more of a roaming space. Any last closing statements on that lane? No, completely agree. And just remember, eat as many vegetables as possible, eat the rainbow, and that's going to help balance out your meals so much better. It's going to add volume so that you're getting fuller, you're more satisfied, and it's also going to feed your gut what they want so that they can flourish in a good, positive way, and you can make your hormones and your neurotransmitters through all the nutrients that you bring on board that are found in so many plant foods. So don't forget those too. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. And then lastly, where can everybody find you? So I am on Instagram and TikTok. It's my first and last name with an underscore. So I'm Lane, L-A-Y-N-E, underscore, Van Leeshout, V-A-N-L-I-E-S-H-O-U-T. And my website is lvwellnessconsulting.com. So you can find me any of those places. I do offer free strategy calls for people who are really serious about figuring some stuff out with their health and they're ready to kind of take the first step that's a great place to start. It's like no obligation or anything like that. We just kind of talk about your health a little bit, bounce some ideas, and I give you some some feedback on like what I think is going on with you. And then one thing that your listeners can do is right now I have a free blood sugar balancing guide on my profile. So you can go to the links there and it talks through some of the background info, just kind of summarize everything we talked about today. And then also eight steps that you, that are so simple. You just, you can start them today. They're nothing crazy. It's just little tweaks that you make in your routine and it's going to make a drastic difference on your mood, your energy, that blood sugar balance, and therefore just overall better hormone harmony. I love it, you guys. And if you uh, want to hear on episode 28, why your gut health matters to kind of pick up where we left off. <laughs> Definitely check Miss Lean out there and then reach out to her. She is incredible. Again, another amazing episode on Tiff Talks podcast. Thank you for being here and until next time. <laughs>